Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set for Before Nehemiah came back, Ezra came back. Remember Ezra the scribe, he came back with the first group first because the spiritual state of the people back then, it was terrible. They were intermarrying with pagans and they were taking up false god worship. And Ezra went to Jerusalem first and taught God's law to the people. Remember when Nehemiah got there, he had priests that were there who were willing to help out. I don't think those priests would have been there in the right spiritual mindset, heart set, whatever you want to call it had it not been for Ezra being there first to teach them the law. So Nehemiah came later. He got the people to help him build the walls. They had their spiritual mindset in in order because of what Ezra had done first. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Some people go, man, you preach long, Ray. This guy, look how far he went. He went a long time. They were attentive. They wanted it. So look at the condition of the people, how they are in this part of the story. They're a whole lot better off now than when we saw them back in the book of Ezra, when they were a big mess. They weren't so hell-bent on worshiping false gods. They were actually eager to hear God's word. They really wanted to hear it. And what's interesting is that they are the ones that requested Ezra to come read it to them. Ezra didn't say, all right, everybody, we're going to meet here, you know, on this day, and we're all going to get together, and y'all show up. Make sure you come. The people said, Ezra, we want to hear it. I'm sure Ezra said, all right, well, let me grab my scroll. I'll get out there. You know, so they're like, good, let's do this. I mean, you see the turnaround of the people here. They asked him to read it. So Ezra coming to read to them was a big deal. It's a huge thing for them. It was their way of being able to hear what their God expected of them. We're back in Jerusalem. Yes. Finally, out of all this captivity, what does God want from us? I don't know. Well, let's get somebody to come tell us. Now, again, take notice of the date of when Ezra read this to them. It says it was the first day of the seventh month. What is so significant about this? This was during the Feast of Trumpets. That's what this was. It was a major biblical feast that most Gentile Christians don't know much about. Right after this is coming the Feast of Tabernacles. And those of you that have been with us for a while in this church, you know that we have a good time on the Feast of Tabernacles. We party. You know, they built um, 
temporary booths or tents and they dwell in it. And I'm telling you, at this time of the year, you go to Israel, those booths are everywhere. Over there, they put booths everywhere, even on their apartments. If you look at a high-rise apartment and somebody has an apartment uh, or a patio about the size of this table, (laughs) they will put a booth there. I've seen these guys run booths on bicycles, like drop-off booths. They hook a little booth on the back. It's just big enough for one guy to sit in it. It's like booths to go or something, and they'll wheel that booth over there, plop it off, and, and they hang out in it because it's, it, it is a major, major biblical holiday. So if you've never sat in a sukkah, a booth or a tent, we will get to do that. I build one in my backyard. I do the best I can. I've had a rabbi look at it, and he says, that is the best-looking Gentile sukkah I've ever seen. So it has rabbinic approval. <laughs> we do the best we can, okay? But it's, it's in the Bible. So it's amazing how we can look at these people who literally wanted to hear the word read to them at a time when it's the Feast of Trumpets. I love looking at this picture. The people wanted it. When Ezra first went over there, nobody wanted none of this. They just wanted to intermarry and have their pagan gods and do what they wanted to do. And who cares about God? Now they're the ones telling him, hey, would you come read this to us? If I was Ezra, I'd be jumping, bouncing off the walls. No pun intended. This is Nehemiah. Uh, That just hit me. Um, I'd be bouncing off the wall, let that sink in, that the people want it now. He's made a difference. Look at what the Lord has done. They want to hear. And Ezra read from morning till midday. And you think my sermons are long. I doubt you'd ever get people to listen to God's word for that long today. But we can try it today if y'all want to. So we can stay till like three or four if you want to do it. But me as a pastor, I find this so rewarding to look at this, that this moment for Ezra, he walked into Jerusalem when things were not looking good at all. And what a great moment we're seeing here, the the results of all his hard work with the people willingly asking, would you please come read God's word to us? I'm praying we get to a point like that somewhere around in our nation, uh, at least in this town, where people come clawing at the doors of churches saying, please tell us what this is. That would be quite a day. We're just not there right now. But thank you all for you who come. Nehemiah 8 and 4. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aneah, Urijah, Hilkiah, and Maaseah. And at his left hand, Padeah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Look at this. Golly, this is so powerful. Have you ever in your life seen anything like this? The people, they had such reverence for God's word that they stood up when it was open, then they fell on the ground and they worshiped. I mean, I've never seen in any church a bunch of people crawling all over the ground. I mean, they were so sorry for their sin that they had done that it just took everything out of them. They bowed down in a in a position of I'm sorry and worship on the ground. Not only that, but 
They were ready to hear it. They wanted to hear it. No counting ceiling tiles and wonder what's on TV later and you know all that kind of stuff. Who's going to win the football game today? The little distractions we do. They wanted it because they needed it. Problem in our nation today is nobody thinks they need God's word. It's just some religious thing to do on Sunday and that's it. It's no big deal. Just tradition. People, we need God's word. We're sinners. We're in trouble. And we need his salvation. And we need to know what he expects of us. And we need to learn how to live right. We need this. And so they needed it. And to think that this was a people here who just a few years ago were violating this very law they're listening to. Isn't that incredible what a turnaround they've done? So it just goes to show us how forgiving our God is, how God wants to take messed up sinners like us, and it pleases him so much when we turn around. Isn't that good? Well, how many times has God tried to show us in his word time and time again that he is a God of restoration, that he brings people back and he puts them back in place? You remember in the previous chapter, we saw how the Israelites were coming back to the land. So everybody, all their tribes, they got put back into their specific land of inheritance. Like your, your, your ancestors were over here. You go over there. This group of guys, let's check the record. Okay, you're supposed to be over there. This is restoration. This is bringing people back. In other words, after being gone for over 70 years, God did all of this work to bring them back. This is us in this picture, guys. Has God brought you back? If you're saved, he has brought you back from where you were in your lostness. He brought them back and didn't just, well, just come sit anywhere. He brought them back to the same place their ancestors occupied before the captivity. That's amazing. What God is trying to show us here in this book, he's trying to show us just how far back he can restore us from. You may be thinking, I'm lost beyond lost. Man, Ray, you don't even know how lost I am. God can restore you all the way back, even from that depth. So look at how far lost, how far down lost we can be, and yet God would still restore his people back to him again. Gosh, this is good. Guys, I was lost beyond lost in my sin. I was major lost. I was 10 times over lost. I was Mr. Lost. And to think that the Lord God did all the work necessary to restore me back to him from the depths of how lost I was, that's enough to make anybody hit the ground like the Israelites did. I've done it a few times. Hit the ground, thank you. But we should be just as thankful as the people here in chapter 8 for all of our forgiveness we've been given, for all the pardon that we've been given, all the grace that we've been given, it comes from God's word that the people wanted to hear. All this that they're thankful for and falling down and restoration and we're back and why would you, God, why would you do this for a messed up person like me? All of this comes from God's word who personified is Jesus Christ. Amazing. And the people's reaction to Ezra's reading of the law realizing the destruction of what they should have gone through from what they have been saved from, that's the reaction we should have towards our Messiah Jesus. Look at the trouble you saved me from, and here we are back. And we shouldn't be. 
but we are. <laughs> Man, they're thankful. I want you to ponder for a moment how valuable your life must be for Satan to tirelessly pursue it and for the king of all creation to lay his life down for it. Amazing how much value you have. Praise God for our restoration. Nehemiah 8 and 7. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Messiah, Kaleida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them understand the reading. Okay, there's these either reading the law, and you ever had somebody read the Bible to you, and it just flew right clean over your head, and you're like, what in the world is that? So you had these guys saying, okay, let me help you understand this. And I know I do that for y'all, and trust me, it takes me all week to figure out how to explain some of these things. So you have these guys that are there to help give them the sense. I'm sure they read stuff, and the people said, we love it, but I don't get it. And they helped them with it. So all these guys that were with Ezra, there must have been, uh, all the people listening, there could have been 30,000 to 50,000 people who were there trying to listen. Now today, we'd put them all in the Astrodome, we'd light up a big sound system, give the guy a microphone, he'd tell everybody all at once, but they couldn't do that back then. So Ezra needed help getting the reading of the law out to everybody. We don't know exactly the method, how they did it, but these guys helped because you can't shout loud enough for that many people to hear all at one time. So all these guys helped. They, they took the teaching out to the people. Perhaps Ezra led the, read the law out loud in front of as many people as he could in front of a large crowd. And then these Levites and these men went out and circulated among the groups of people to help them understand, to make the teaching clear to them. So they wanted it really, really bad. We want to hear. We want to understand. And we're so many, there's so many people that want to hear it. They had to come up with a way to get it all to them. I think this is great. (laughs) I would love to have that problem. Like more people that can fit in this building, maybe they're lined up all the way out to the the, the Mexican food place. I'll be like, well, let me teach y'all real quick, and then y'all run out and go spread it off to them what I just told you. That's kind of like the system they did. I think it's a fantastic situation to have. Also there in verse 8, where it says they read distinctly from the book, that could mean that they had to translate a lot of the information. Maybe there was a lot of Hebrew to Aramaic that they had to do to help the people understand God's law. Maybe some people could understand, they just had a different language they had to translate it over to. So there's a lot of work going here. These people wanted it, they needed it. We realized the mess we were in. We're so thankful for God bringing us back. I want to know who this God is, and I want to know what he expects of me. That's why Christians need and believers need to read God's Word. You have to study God's Word. All Christians don't need to read God's Word. I get that so often. You look at this passage right here that we're in. They wanted it. They needed it. They're on the ground. Thank you, God. Now, what do you want us to do? We want to live in a way that pleases you. Yes, believer, you do need to know God's Word. You need to hear it. You need to read it. Nehemiah 8 and 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, And the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. 
Why do you think they wept when they heard the words of the law? Because they knew how guilty they were for having broken it. When you hear God's word preached and what God expects, and you realize how far below it you are, how unworthy you are, it it breaks your heart, doesn't it? When God says, don't do all these things, and I'm like, man, I did all those things. And God's word says it provokes his wrath, and because of that, you'll be condemned. Yeah, it should break your heart. So they were hurt. They knew how guilty they were of the law. Now, again, referring back to how they were before Ezra, and Ezra showed up to teach them how to repent and come back to the Lord. Remember, he come back early. He says, here's how you repent. Here's what you need to do to be right with the Lord God. The people wept because they realized how far off they'd gotten from God's will. I'm, I'm telling you, the people that say, yeah, I'm saved. I said a prayer, and they're just ho-hum about it. They don't realize how far they've been brought back, if they have been at all. There's a lot of people that think they're saved, and the Bible says they're not. If you are saved and you're really saved and you know what you've been saved from, it'll break your heart. It'll hurt because you're sorry that you ever did that sin. I'm sorry. I am so sorry that I did that. I, I just, God forgive me. You can't walk around, yeah, I'm saved, no big deal. For anybody hearing me right now, yeah, I'm saved, no big deal. You, you may need to go back into the book and uh, read and find out what salvation really is because I don't know that you got it, and I want to make sure you get it. It'll break your heart. And now that they knew the law firsthand, it drove up their sense of thankfulness. It drove up their gratitude considering how the Lord could have destroyed them for this sin. Do you know, do you know that, people, that the Lord God could have destroyed you? He could have destroyed you right when you committed your first sin, and that would have been fair. You know how people complain, oh, life's not fair, nothing's fair, nothing's fair. Be careful about demanding fair. If we got what was fair, do you know where we would be? We'd be in the lake of fire right now. That would be fair. So be careful about all, nothing's fair. The Lord God could have destroyed them for their sin, but he didn't. You realize the Lord could have done this to you and me, and he didn't. We're here. That means we're given opportunity, grace. He's being patient with us. He could have destroyed them for their sin, but he didn't. And the reading of the law helped them to realize what they deserved versus what they got. Oh, I almost got hit by a car one time, and I was just like, that was close. I think about this in terms of the gospel. I sinned bad, and what he could have done to me, and he didn't, that was close. Oh, man, that'll get to you. It'll punch you in the gut. I guess you could say they now understood who their God of Israel is, that not only is he a God of love, not only is he a God of restoration, but he's also a God that cared about their well-being. I want to be with you. I want relationship with you. I'm, God is not just some guy sitting in a big chair in the sky saying, eh, I'm God, you can't touch me, I'm too big for you. He's, he's saying, I want to be in your life. I want to be together. Let's be friends. Let's hang out. That's how God is. And they're starting to realize this. He's a God of love. And they wept over this because they were so sorry for what they had done. Friends, your sin has to give you a sense of sorrow. If sin doesn't make you sorry, I wonder if you're saved at all. 
They're very sorrowful for what they've done, yet they're also full of thankfulness that God would be this good towards them. So Nehemiah wanted them to know this is a day to be glad. This is not a day of weeping. He goes, stop crying. I understand that you, you get it, that you messed up, but let's stop crying now, okay? This is a time to be glad. I think of it like this. I, I, I'm, yes, I'm sorry for what I've done, but I can't live my whole life with my head hung down all the time. You've got to have some gladness in your life, too, for what the Lord has done. Yes, I feel miserable. I feel dread. I feel sorrow for my sin. But yet at the same time, that gladness has got to come out somewhere at some point. So Nehemiah wanted him to know, this is a day to be glad. No more weeping. No more weeping, for this day is holy to the Lord. This is a day that's going to be different from all the past 70 years. Israel, you have spent 70 years mourning. You have spent 70 years weeping. Today, we're going to be glad for what the Lord has done. Because God's lost people have been brought back again. And I want to give this to some of y'all today. Some of y'all, yes, like me, you know what you've done. You're beating yourself up over it. Okay, there's, a, well, there's one thing in being sorrowful for your sin. There's another thing about beating yourself up over it. At some point, you need to be glad. Just be glad, okay? Nehemiah 8 and 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people. I just caught that just now. Everybody's crying. They quieted all the people. Look at that. Hey, stop crying over there. Be happy. (laughs) So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions, and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Isn't this great? They're, they're mourning because of what they've done. I'm sorry, Lord God, because now we're going to party. And, you know, they probably felt guilty about partying. I don't deserve to party. I'm a sinner. Why, why should I celebrate? I'm just this terrible human being. And it's like, no, this is a holy day. We're going to have a good time. We're going to rejoice and be glad. And I just thought that was great that they had to quiet the people. Hey, enough. Let's go have a good time now. Let's have fun. (laughs) But I don't deserve to have fun. I know. But let's have fun and realizing we get to have fun, okay? I don't think there's a worse thing than for someone to come hear God's word proclaimed and then leave without understanding what they heard. It's not, not a more worse thing. I can remember going to churches before and hearing the pastor and I wanted to kind of pretend like I understood and like I got it just so that I would fit in with everybody, but but I didn't get it. I didn't want to say, well, I didn't understand this. I didn't want to feel stupid, you know. Friends, if you don't understand something, you should ask somebody. Ask somebody in the church or come ask me, Ray, I really didn't understand this part. Some of y'all do that. Y'all catch me after and you say, hey, I didn't get this or I saw something or whatever. You should have an understanding when you when you get done, when you when you leave. I think it's great that they they left understanding and it says what the people it says that the people understood they got it everybody understood what they heard thank you for listening to set for life we hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.